welcome to the Social Ideas podcast brought to you by the Cambridge Centre for Social Innovation. This series looks through the lens of those striving for a better world. I'm Pam Mungru. Congratulations to the 2022 Cambridge Social Innovation Prize winners awarded by Trinity Hall and the Cambridge Centre for Social Innovation. The £10,000 awards are made annually to extraordinary founder CEOs of scale-up social enterprises to support their growth as leaders. Mentoring from experts at Cambridge Judge Business School and support from an expanding community of social innovators at Trinity Hall will help the winners to develop the skills, resources and networks they need to create more impact from their work. In this episode of the Social Ideas podcast, we hear from winner Tamara McFarlane, the founder and CEO of Moon Lane Children's Booksellers, about her work to raise equality in children's books, access, representation and roles in the publishing industry. I began by asking Tamara what Moon Lane is. So basically it's a group of children's bookshops and educational supply and we do a lot of work um, talking to teachers about the importance of inclusive book ranges both in their school but also in terms of the books that they're actually using with the children as part of the curriculum because those books in particular are weighted in a slightly different way and we want to ensure that none of the work that we're doing is about box ticking but is about really making sure that the people that we're interacting with around children's books fully understand <clears throat> the importance of having children from every background represented in their book ranges. So in the shops we are trying to identify barriers to children's reading and to greater representation within children's books. Our mission statement is raising equality in children's books, equality of access, representation and roles in the publishing industry. So those are the kind of key areas that we're trying to address by identifying very practical ways to break those barriers down and to bring more people into children's books, book selling, publishing, and to increase diversity within the industry. So we run enterprise days trying to encourage young people to set their own bookshops up and peer recommendation where they get to make their book choices. Through doing that, both learn micro business skills, which are transferable to all sorts of different industries. But in our case, we're doing it around children's books, because for a lot of the children we're working with, actually driving their own path through having a micro business is quite often going to be a way out of certain situations that may not be possible through normal employment. And we often find that a lot of the students we're working with um, who come from more challenging backgrounds um, from a socioeconomic point of view often show this amazing innovation around the enterprise days that we run and that the more I'm making generalizations but some of the more privileged schools that we may go and do it in are very good at imitation but the a lot of the other children are very good at innovating new ways and so you get this amazing excitement around what's possible to do once the business concept is there so for a lot of students they'll work out very very quickly that the point of it is about them selling books and recommending books to each other but they're going to make far more money they get to keep the profit at the end of the enterprise days out of um, making cakes or selling biscuits or doing anything like that so the kids that actually have always ended up making the most amount of profit um, have been the kids that have innovated and looked at the whole setup in a different way um, but during those enterprise days, we also bring people in from the publishing industry to talk about the different roles in publishing and how this finance design, you know, marketing that it covers almost 
you know, sort of the full spectrum of jobs um, out in any other business. And that there are, it's important to have people from every background in every area of publishing. So those are the enterprise days. We have three physical shops in the UK, one in the original one in Herne Hill, which we opened 15 years ago. We then opened one in Catford, which also sells general books. And then more recently one in Ramsgate. It is quite the mechanism then that you've got going that you're using to not only educate and empower young people and teachers, but also to change the publishing industry itself. Yes, we don't feel, I mean, basically, first of all, I was teaching and when I was teaching, I recognised that to my horror that well over half of my class weren't represented in any way, shape or form in the books that were we were using to teach with all the books in our corner. And if there was any more diverse representation, it tended to be of the kind of white hero type of thing that it was this sort of poor person that was lucky to have ended up in the UK. So the white saviour complex and the portrayals were stereotypes, they were reinforcing stereotypes and in no way did they represent the children, the experience of the children in my class. And I felt that this was limiting social mobility, limiting integration, limiting understanding between children from different backgrounds within my class. And I became really angry about this. And I also was aware that the representation of girls in the books that we had was becoming increasingly narrow um, alongside. So there was this two dynamics of sort of recognition going on in terms of the ideology in children's books and what was being communicated out there in terms of once you recognize that books are what we value as a cultural form, you then have to recognize that what we are communicating within that form really matters. Or we say books don't matter, but if they matter, then we have to be respectful of what we are communicating of whose stories are being told of what narratives are being told and there's no one right story but within any book range certainly within any school or with any bookshop we should be having a really interesting conversation going on between the voices that are represented within that bookshop and that's the thing that we've been driving for so the next step after recognizing that within the classroom and then with my own children in terms of the books that were available for them and not being able to find any books actually specifically for my daughter that recognized her experience of being a girl that I then started to reflect uh, more on what was being communicated in these books and and the impact that that was having and that became a really really interesting and really alarming realization and I think once you recognize the impact that that's having you can't not go and try and do something to address it and so I had the bookshop by that point and I was asked to judge a prize um, for one of the sort of bigger book prizes. And I remember sitting in the room and essentially arguing for the journey of the author, which was what the prize was supposed to be about, the book's journey. And arguing that for any author from an underrepresented background, that journey is already 500 miles longer than it is for anybody from a background traditionally linked to the publishing industry in this country. And I, the deafness with which I, this point, which I didn't think was particularly revolutionary by this point in what we, the work we were doing in the shops, 
was met was so alarming to me that I just thought I'd have to get out of this industry because I do not want to be part of what I'm hearing as a reaction to this statement or I have to go and do something about it. So we were already working within this in terms of seeking out every book that we could find that had decent recommendation, uh, decent representation, working with smaller independent publishers that um, had, um, you know, were, were working with authors again from underrepresented groups to bring stories that weren't stereotypes that were celebrating a different cultural approach or different values or just, you know, just even visually just representing some form of diversity there but it drove me into action and I really did consider leaving I just either it was no part of me that wanted to belong to an industry that I felt was perpetuating really damaging ideology to children who have no place to market against and that it's a form of cultural brainwashing to be doing this and that we had to do something to challenge it so I there's no I'm not saying in any way that we're changing the world with what we're doing but there is an element of trying to hold a line in the conversation to stop it slipping back and the practical things we're doing is that the publishing industry however much it likes to think of itself as a sort of nice inclusive cultural space is a capitalist enterprise that works on business model and it has to make money and you know these things are accepted that's fine so if you want authors from underrepresented groups to continue to be published and for more diverse representation within publishing you have to find a route to market so number one we have shops this is something that we can do so we are able to make sure that we are buying celebrating promoting recommending in every platform that we have in every way that we can from hand selling to our window displays to any social media that we have that we are making sure that those authors are visibly seen as much as possible and valued in every way that we can because the frustration with the marketing and publishing industries again because of the lack of diversity not looking at new routes to market and new routes to readers, engaging with readers that don't come from their sort of traditional view of their audience and who is buying their books. And instead of going out and learning about how they can connect new authors to new readerships. Now, these authors aren't new, they might be newly published. They are authors that have been writing that's not being published. These are readers who are not new, they're readers. We know the statistics on readership across the board and, you know, there's huge, just purely from a market potential, there is huge market potential there. If you just listen to those routes to market and are open minded and put the effort in to go out and actually have conversations with other groups of people. So a lot of our work is literally just about listening to people and trying to respond to where that need is and forming a bridge between publishing and schools and our customers and having those conversations going in that that there is this demand and showing the demand for those books in order for the publishing industry to continue to publish more broadly. On the one front, you have the publishing industry. On the other hand, or on the other front, as it were, you have the communities within which your bookshops are in. Yes. How well received have the bookshops been in those communities? We're very, very community-based as bookshops. The joy of having a physical bookshop is the human interaction that you have. They, they were never imagined as places where we were just selling things. They were places where people could come and exchange ideas. And we have people 
often who will come in and cry because they've had something happen that the book might be a small comfort it's not going to change the way that they feel but to have created a space that anyone feels safe enough in this day and age to come in and feel that they can be vulnerable in that space is an incredible sort of thing to to the team that they've managed to do that and to and the shops have been incredibly well received we've been really really lucky in the support that we've had in the learning journey that we have gone on along with our customers and the broadening out of our customer base in new areas in terms of where the shops are and the communities that we're able to interact with and we found in Lewisham we were working with one of the schools there where we've actually set up a student-run bookshop and that the school has got very very high number of children on preschool meals which is generally the marker of of the sort of socioeconomic base and they did a very a quick survey with their year sevens coming in and found that over 50 percent of the children had never been in a bookshop now by bookshop that's not an independent bookshop we're very lucky we've got an independent bookshop that was including wh smith's the works you know so anywhere that physically was selling books of any kind and at that point you know, we're aware that libraries are being defunded. This isn't a shout for just for bookshops. This is about anywhere where books are available. And we try to work as much as possible with libraries who are probably doing the most amazing innovative work that anybody's doing out there in terms of increasing accessibility to books and the ranges of books in response to their communities that anybody is doing in in any area of publishing and I think it's really important that's stated alongside us selling books because you know if we really want accessibility to books libraries are the the place that you're going to get that not for all of the love of books in our place because actually we know that less than 15 percent of our population go into independent bookshops generally or or physical bookshops so we're a small part of the picture but hopefully in the work that we're doing you know a valid and important part of showing that working closely with your community in order to raise up authors from as diverse a range of backgrounds as possible is a successful business model and most of our work, we have funding for festivals. The Arts Council have been amazing at funding our festivals that we run for free for state school students who would not otherwise get taken to festivals. So the children who get taken to festivals are taken by their parents. They already are into books. They already have access to books. We wanted to do the same thing of opening those books up and the joy of meeting the author and the celebration. But for the students and children who weren't going to take get taken to those events for whatever reason and the only way to do that is through the schools so we run our London um, schools festivals of fun um, now which we've been running in Southwark and in Lewisham and we're hoping to open out to Ramsgate um, very soon as well and those are also about opening up cultural spaces to um, children so we run one of them the Dutch Picture Gallery been hugely supportive and it's about saying this is also a resource for you so they get get tours of the gallery they get illustration workshops along with the author workshops in Lewisham we ran it at Beckenham Place Park which is an amazing building with huge green areas around it that was really underutilized and again they were hugely supportive of what we were doing and gave us the site for free so it's about bringing a lot of different cultural activity together around books and we've also started a festival a non-fiction festival because the joy of non-fiction books is you don't have to already be a reader and be into 
books, you can come at it because you love dinosaurs or you can come at it because you love, you know, digging for treasure or whatever it is. And so I'm very, very keen on promoting nonfiction books um, to encourage and engage a wider group of children in books who may not otherwise, you know, want to go to find new books and explore new ways of having books and meeting authors is a brilliant way of doing that because you get a different energy. They're a key to their books. And again, if you've got authors from a wide range of backgrounds up there, every child is able to not just see themselves in a book, but see themselves as an author. And for the future of the next generations of, and of diversifying our book ranges for our children and ensuring that our brilliantly diverse country is celebrated in our children's fiction, we need those children to feel confident to become authors and illustrators as well. You're talking about the potential authors and the potential illustrators, those of the future. What are you doing for those who are here right now who are trying to carve out their space within this industry? So in terms of authors and illustrators, our main work is really once they're published or, you know, are on that journey that we are grabbing every one of those books and putting them front and centre and making sure that we are supporting as many of those authors and illustrators as we possibly can. And that our belief, our fundamental belief is a good book is a good book. And that goes across every area of inclusivity and celebrating those authors and making sure that every child that comes into our shop is able to find something that they feel they can connect with and relate to, but also that every other child is seeing every other child in a book. It's not just about seeing yourself in a book, it's about seeing everybody in those book ranges, that everybody is valued, that everybody is respected within one of the key cultural industries in our country and the cultural influence that that has. And again, particularly it's important for children because those formative stages where those books are their some area of their reality if they're open to everybody and they're exposed to everybody being valued they don't have to relearn that later on it's not they have to come back to it and suddenly go oh why isn't my friend in that book why later on it's just there and that becomes the ideology that is celebrated for them and that becomes normalized for the next generation of children. And we've got a long, long way to go before that is happening. But that's what I hope when a child comes into our shop, they feel. So you are, congratulations, one of this year's Cambridge Social Innovation Prize winners. What does it mean to you to win this prize? It's extraordinary. I still haven't quite got over it at all. And I feel hugely honoured and very, very excited about being part of an area of social innovation, because I think at the moment, the capacity for using business for creating change is colossal and huge potential for massive impact there. If we can just switch our mental state around business to being what it corporations were supposed to be in the first place when they were set up which was for the greater good instead of you know for the good of individuals and I think we've got broken somewhere along the way and to steer that back towards realizing that being able to use business for change is something that is of great value and can benefit a huge number of people and I feel very excited about the possibility of the conversations that I'm going to be able to have with people in this field 
because it's going to open up a lot of those conversations and hopefully the support as well will mean that I'll have the time to have those conversations because as anyone who's running a social ventures venture knows time is very short there and so it's incredible I still don't I, I feel you know not quite worthy of it but I'm hoping that I will step into that and um, just really really make the most of every second that this brings so the prize is £10,000. There are four winners and each winner gets £10,000. The money is there to give you the opportunity to focus on yourself as the founder, as the director, as the CEO of your social enterprise. It's about giving you that opportunity for personal development, professional development. How will that help you? Um, it's going to... Well, it's I, in the very brief time because I, it was truly an amazing surprise to, you know, to have been awarded it. One of the things I was particularly interested in is that I've been very resistant to taking on external investment. And that I've realised um, over this year that unless I'm willing to take on external investment and be really brave about how we move forward, that there is a limit to how much we can scale up and we have a scalable model we know we have a scalable model we've had our first franchise open it's doing well in order to have greater impact we need to have little moon lanes all over the place celebrating and getting those authors out there in every way that we can and illustrators out there and bringing those children in and and bridging that gap and I think that I realized I, it may just be me as an individual, but I think some of those problems are systemic problems around women and money and taking on investment and having the confidence and the relationship between women and finance and how few women take on external finance for whatever reasons are there. So one of the things I'd really like to do is a course in female leadership and looking at where some of those barriers might be both personally and societally that are stopping me feeling the confidence to take the enterprise to the next level. And I feel that I kind of owe both the children that we're working for with our social enterprise and the authors and illustrators and hopefully broader society eventually, and myself and also for female social entrepreneurs who come behind me to try and do that and make a success of it and show that that's possible. And so that's one of the things I'd really love to do with the money. That was Tamara McFarlane, founder and CEO of Moon Lane Children's Booksellers and winner of the Cambridge Social Innovation Prize 2022. You can find out more about the Cambridge Centre for Social Innovation by following us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn and YouTube.